0: Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earle. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earle, and this is episode 71. I'm here today with Pearl Peary. Hi, Pearl. Hi, Amanda. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. It's amazing you're you're at 71 already. (laughs) I know.
0: I know this is, this is pretty amazing And, and this is uh, this is the fifth season as well I'm going to start by reading uh, Your bio So uh, we'll go okay. with that first And also we'll include all the links to uh, Well as many links as I can As, I'm, as we mentioned I, that I can find In the uh, show notes as well At smallmachinetalks.com So here's the bio Pearl Perry is a queer concussed writer living in rural Quebec Her poetry collection The Pet Radish Shrunken Book of 2015 Won the Archibald Lampman Award her manuscript Thirsts won the Robert Croach Award for Innovative Poetry and was published in 2011. Her first trade collection was Binshed Boar with Chaudière Books in 2010. Her poems have been included in Best Canadian Poetry in English twice and have appeared in various anthologies. Her newest chapbooks are Call Down the Walls from Frog Hollow Press from 2019, Eldon Letters from Above Ground in 2019, Not Quite Dawn Édition des Petits Nuages* 2020, and forthcoming Water Loves its bridges, Letters to the Dead from the Alfred Gustav Press in 2020. She runs Fafors Press, Chalk Paths Manuscript Editing Service, and Studio Nouveau Workshops. Thanks for uh, that's that's the bio. Welcome to the show again. Thanks, Pearl. Thank you. Uh, so, um, um, it's the book that um, just recently re- released is called Footlights that just came out from Radiant, Radiant Press in 2020. Can you tell us about Footlights? <laughs>
1: Well, Footlights is different from my previous books in that it's a much more uh, narrative, there is more narrative. Um, and it's poems that are more um, centered in healing and in drawing boundaries and in, uh, in being more feminist leaning or more calling out, not feminist, I guess. <laughs> so it's still a selection of many uh many threads
0: okay and would you like to read a poem from the book
1: sure um the bigger and small questions no i said that wrong the bigger small questions (laughs) at chapters i know i'm sorry i asked the clerk where the poetry was she flubbed off poetry is everywhere. Dear sweet lady, that's not useful for my question. Your chase triage fills my puppy gaze. I compare you to a sanctuary. Your polka dots of skulls are a fabric we could dance to, but not right now. Direct me to the geese migrating north. All these high rises, lights, and signs addle. Like me. And the oldest species on Earth, we can't leave soon enough. Shadows point everywhere from fluorescent bulbs. Confused, they can't bloom. The slats around compost rot.
0: Thanks, Pearl. That was great. That was great. I, I, I can see that person saying that, and someone saying that. And the t- poetry is everywhere too. That's great. <laughs> So the the cover art is by Faith Logan, a Saskatchewan artist, and it's a little fawn surrounded by leaves in a forest. How did that come about? Was it a suggestion by the publisher or did you find the art?
1: Um, It was the publisher who finds arts um, or artists that they think will be compatible in the spirit. So they approached uh, Faith and I presume gave her the manuscript. I don't actually know that, but... um, they gave a design Faith gave them a design and basically the first thing first one that I saw was very 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 close to the final it was the, the when it came to me it, the cover was embossed which was a nice surprise but yeah, there was a little bit of kerning difference but it was basically that was it the first uh, first thing they showed me was the final Because of parsley, because I said, please don't change it. (laughs) Well, And it's so tactile with the embossing, too. It really
0: looks nice. I I really, um, I don't know. And I think it goes with that, like the the poem that mentions footlights in the book is the saplings are yellow as footlights in the forest. It kind of, it goes with it. It goes with it, I think. uh, Yeah. My mind too. How does how about um, how does this compare to your other? How do you usually uh, like for your other books? Have you usually had that kind of relationship with the um, publisher over the cover, or do you usually have some say
1: in the um, cover? For the last one, I had no say whatsoever, <laughs> and okay. they, they showed me a cover in. I think November or something, and I said, "Okay, that's the cover." And then when it when I got my copies, it was a totally different cover. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Really? <laughs> um, in the book before that, um, I think at the early in the process, I was asked for my opinion of the cover, so I gave a few design ideas and images, and then they came back with, "Nope, we're doing the entire season run, all in variations of." 1980s chemistry textbook covers i'm like okay (laughs) whether it was prose or plays or poetry it was all they all matched um and the one before that um i pitched a whole bunch of different covers um and you know you you never go pitching something that isn't all of your favorites, or else the client, if you're in design, is going to pick your least favorite.
0: Right, that
1: but, makes sense. <laughs> but I at that point the book didn't even have a, a title either. It was a manuscript with like five or six alternate titles, mm-hmm. and then alternate covers for alternate titles. Um, but then at some point, Rob mclennan went, "No, I think this is the best title. It fits the work best." So, working from there, what would be the best cover? and then i did another design with that title in mind he said yeah that's i can't remember if there are multiples there or not but no that's that's the cover it should be and that one i wanted to be embossed but there wasn't the budget so now i find embossed cover that's cool. Well, you,
0: uh, final, uh, finally, you get the embossment. That's great.
1: <laughs> so,
0: some of your poems and epigraphs come from social media. For example, in the Even Electricity Wants to Continue, which I love that poem and I, I love the title, by the way, or the, uh, that, that section, uh, the opening section of the book, you have a quote from John Guzlowski Dear poetry, it's dark here. Please hold the light for me. Yes, just like that. It's a wonderful quote and also the, this wonderful title of the section. Do you collect social media quotes and how do you decide what to? collect or do you work on poems and the social media quotes are just serendipitous
1: um i collect quotes always um like i i made a quotation book that i hand typed when i was like 14 or 15. it was like yeah. 100 pages of it but i didn't publish it so I, I, george murray beat me to the punch um but i always liked aphorism books but all the aphorism books are old but dead white guys
0: yeah so, and,
1: and they've got a certain slant to them. So I, I started writing down whenever I see a good quote in whatever media or if someone's in conversation, like, can I write that down just a sec? Hold your next thought and write that down. Um, so yeah, and, and then some of them I think would be good epigraphs. And then I'm just sort of shifting them around until I find a poem that really complements the epigraph, I hope. And for and uh, for ones that were like from Facebook or conversations, then I asked their permission. If it was a printed source, public source, then I, no, it's just one line. I didn't. Uh, yeah, discredit credit the source. Just credit the source. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of of quotes too. And I w- one thing I do I've taken to doing uh, a number of years ago when um the um. Ontario Arts Council grants were still um, you had to mail them in uh, Charles right. got me a label maker and now you don't have to it's its all done via like their their portal or whatever so I don't have to send out like 20 well now it would only be 10 envelopes but uh, so I have this great label maker and I don't need to I still use it for mail but I also now what I do is I put in my address book I put the quotes in the address book and then, I, then I'll print them out and put them on people's letters or I'll, I'll make little zines and things like that so yeah I love quotes as well, but I haven't I have been quoting uh, from social media, so I, I really like that idea, and I thought that was a really good part of the book because it also includes community in, in a good way as well. So that was really, really fun thing. So, um, a lot of your poems are poems of observation, the speaker is listening to or overhearing or over observing people at a distance even in over my dead corpus which we published angel house press about surprisingly about a decade ago now which is already (laughs) surprised that it's that long ago but you use reported speech and dialogue in your work do you spend time observing others in writing or do these observations come from memory or instinct or a combination thereof
1: i always try to write it down in the moment because my memory drifts so fast (laughs) um when i'm when i'm like, I was reading a novel about a month ago, and there was an excellent quote that I thought was just perfectly encapsulated, and then I tried to tell it to Natalie Hannah, and I'm like, I think this is a gist. I'm going to go find the book, and I couldn't find the book, and, but then I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, the gist is right, but the, um, the power of it was in the exact phrasing, so I went back and emailed her. No, this is exactly what the author said. <laughs> Right.
0: So you. So do you? Is it? uh, So you primarily. It's by observing that you, like in the moment that you. So what about now? Because during the pandemic, you're. I mean, we're all so isolated, right? Do you find that this aspect of your. I mean, I don't know. Are you. Are you writing right
1: now Uh, during this? I'm not writing anyway. I haven't written for like a year. I've written uh, like little bits, but not to any degree. Well, right now I'm judging uh, novel contests, so any of my time is is absorbing, not uh, creating well, that makes
0: sense. Yeah, I, I um, a couple of years ago, I I judged the Gerard Lampert uh, Memorial uh, Poetry Award for um, the League of Canadian Poets, and I think we I can't remember the number of books we have, but for several months, I was just reading like a book a day of, of, right. of poetry. That's <laughs> an interesting time. Did I? Did I? Is this something that uh, I, I think I I heard it on social media that well, you're working on a novel. Is that is that true? At some point, you've been working on a novel.
1: Yeah, I hope I still am. I don't know. I'm still writing notes. Um, yes. The more I read novels, the more it seems both easy and impossible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't
0: no, I, know. I have that too. Like I in I, I wrote one um, erotic novel um, for a National Novel Writing Month back in two thousand four, and then I um and then I um waited for a decade before I went back, cleaned up all the really dreadful dialogue and self-published it mm-hmm. as an ebook, book um, And then... Um in 2017, like the thing is, I love reading novels so much, especially really big, epic, you know, thick novels. And I wanted to write one of those, and so I got a good idea and I started to work on it. The problem is, it requires a lot of research, and I just find, right, I, like I, I need to do focused research and I need focused time, and I, I just tend to do a lot of different yeah. things at once. So it's, I find it's intimidating just to do it. So <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's all sorts of questions of. Like ethics, like exactly. I, I, I wanted uh, I want or wanted, I don't know one of the characters is well, is is a werewolf who's hundreds of years old and comes from Nova Scotia so would have been in the experienced, you know uh, all, all of Nova Scotia in its glory in like the 1800s and so on maybe 1700s, I don't know but then what do I do with his character name, Black Nova Scotia is really proud of their history and they have like genealogy link like, can I do I have to fabricate someone's name? Can I use a name yeah. that's in actual history, but then everybody knows that person and then it becomes such a quagmire.
0: It's it. I think yeah, and I think you can like. There's there's workshops and things that that deal with that. I've just I just got a book from. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a, available as a PDF called Mastering the Craft, and it has to do with things like, um, for instance, um, it's by Humankind Journal, which is uh, oh, a right. journal. And it's 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 a PDF. It's a pay what you can, or and you don't have to pay anything. But I for some reason I missed I didn't pay, but I meant to. But um, anyway, so thick thing, and I just got. It, but it also deals with uh, the issues about um, you know putting in marginalized characters and things like that. So yeah. really looking forward to getting into that because it's there's a lot of big questions. Like if you're writing about Nova Scotia at a certain point, you deal with the um, with issues of slavery and all all those things as well, right? So it's
1: right, like exactly. Yeah, that issues. Humankind book list looked amazing. I'm like. I might need a, a decade to go through that book, but they all they, all the titles look so intriguing. That's it, yeah. And I so I'm—I've got that one as well,
0: because as, it's—it's something that I'm—I'm I'm, uh, wondering too for the novel. But I, I really do. I would like to write um, this novel at some point, so we'll have to see. In the next episode, I'm talking. Well, no, actually, it's yeah, it is the next episode in mid December. I'm talking to Frances Boyle about her fiction and her, right. her short story So I'm just in the middle of reading hers now. So it's a really fun. So, so yeah, the podcast is. Gonna, we're actually going to start to talk about fiction, so that's um, that'll be an interesting thing. So, and, and another. Um say another question for you in footlights many poems deal with the relationship between humans and nature for example in what is set in motion the speaker's eyes watching a loon are described as indelicate predator eyes while in an ant by headlight the speaker takes delight in the ant and tries to help i love that that was quite fun you mm-hmm. grew up in a rural environment then in a fairly urban environment and now back to a more rural um, environment uh, do you
1: find your writing changes in these different environments Um, Well, I find that in urban spaces, I'm kind of caffeinated brain without the caffeination. It's sort of a sensory overload, uh, overstimulation, and... It makes gives me a sort of trauma response to be in a city, which was in the case when I was in the city, but but even worse now that I'm in calm. And then I, like now going to Ottawa is like going into Grand Central Station. It's so much people. Like oh my god, they're everywhere. (laughs) Which I guess a lot of us are getting during COVID too, being more isolated. Yeah. But it, but in rural has always been sort of where I can center and where I can uh, ground myself and heal and so it's, it it allows my alpha waves to slow down and, and allow it makes my my thoughts cohere into longer segments instead of being uh, all broken up by nervousness so I think it changes me psychologically. That makes sense. I, I I was thinking
0: too about a length of lines and things like that. Like, because um, I remember over my dead corpus, actually, there were really I think there were long lines, right? And it oh, was, uh, okay. So I don't know. I mean, that's a decade ago. So we
1: yeah, my memory's I, I, getting foggy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was the gonna cover. get
0: it. Out. Yeah, I love the cover. That that silvery uh, material that Charles found was really cool. And that, of course, has been sold out. It sold out very quickly. Like, like very. That was that was a good. Um, that was a good experience and now of course we're not we're not publishing chapbooks these days so (laughs) so you're you're it's almost now like a vintage collection you could find on um, ebay or something like that do you when you're reading um uh, say poetry do you do you find that you read you read a lot of poetry set in a in a rural or or or, um um, country setting like as opposed to um, urban poetry collections or
1: well, I definitely didn't before because I found it extremely irritating because a lot of the um, nature poetry tends to have a lot of um, holier-than-thou poet voice, great significance and weight on everything, and it's, it it really seems smug, and it, it gets caught up in its own voice. And, and, um, Actually, now my brain can go slow enough to actually process it, but I still don't think I really appreciate it the way some people appreciate it, Um, but on the other hand, the really um, jumpy language poetry I can't reach anymore either, (laughs) uh, because my brain just doesn't uh, go in that, that speed, and it's not willing to play in that way anymore I think I I think there's
0: a lot of writers who are kind of combining a lot of that together like I think of uh, I just uh not long ago I guess in in um gosh, it wasn't that long ago, in the middle of the month I, I interviewed Dennis Cooley, who has three oh, new books, oh, yeah. and what was interesting about, well, all three books were fantastic, but um, and all of his books I, I love, but he, he yeah. actually, his work, his relationship to nature is so much, it's integral rather than being outside, like he has basically, like in, in the bestiary for instance, which is all about animals, like, not, like basically farm animals and crows and things like that, and bees, he basically in a lot of ways he humanizes them, not at any kind of of like way that's that's not like part of it but he they're, they're quite funny they're like they have characteristics basic, it's really great to read and also just the the prairie landscape is there and it's not any any kind of um there's nothing pretentious about the way he does it but he still plays with language so much like so it's that, it's yeah. that, i think he's an example of of um kind of a hybrid between sort of more like more experimental but also with more down to earth like he Incorporates vernacular, for instance, from the type of people who actually, actually live, say, on a farm or in, you know, in, in, cool. in the prairies. And so it, it's quite good. And I highly recommend that, that book, *The Bestiary*. Also, um, the, his uh, book of fairy tale and fables, which uh, was uh, *Cold Press Moon*, is quite good. And and *The Muse Sings*, which is a uh, uh, one by At Bay Press, and the other two are from Turnstone. But those three are his newest books. And and yeah, they they if you want to read some some good poetry that incorporates. <laughs> nature and also uh, animals and stuff the bestiary I highly recommend yeah, that one
1: you have to get that one it's been yeah, a while sure. I got one of his books I
0: always want to I I missed a couple um, of his books and then um, just for preparation for his interview I read I had a a lot of his books on my shelves and I have my favorites like Seeing Red is one of my favorites which is his vampire his vampire um, series poem sequence is is really good and um, Bloody Jack and and things like and the Bentleys but I went back and I kind of read everything and I had so I was reading like 15 books it was it was (laughs) And I said a good way of reading um poetry if someone has a lot of books is to binge read just like binge watching and you'd start to understand some of the recurring techniques they use and things like that so um so yeah. i I thought it interesting to to do that i think mean you can also just you can read a collected or a selected as well for the same
1: it's different courses. it's different though yeah, they cut out all the good ones and selected sometimes. <laughs> That's it. So
0: when when then when your your selected or collected comes out, I guess you'll you'll have an interesting decision to make about choices.
1: (laughs) Yeah, another three books maybe, and I'll try to get a selected or collected going. So that'd be great.
0: Okay, so um, you've al- I've always loved the way you combine the ordinary and the exotic in your work or make the order ordinary exotic, such as in the room grown dark, the small lit flare looks like panic or in bath time lessons, my cartoon avenge yourself. Like I love those things. I'm curious to know what you read and watch. I mean, I know you're a Star Trek fan, for example. I've seen your costume, I'm <laughs> sorry, your uniform. I, mean, I shouldn't call it a costume, good heavens. It's both. Uh, <laughs> Yeah well in your, if you're wearing it I guess it's more of a costume but on the on right. the actual on, on the on the um on Patrick Stewart it would be well at least on his his character it would be a, it would be a, a uniform one would hope but i imagine that fantasy and speculative fiction are genres you enjoy so um what can you can you talk a little bit about what you read and watch
1: yeah um i've i've been going into uh speculative fiction especially in the last three or four years um, I basically find an author I like and then as, as you say I read everything by the person Um Which sometimes goes well and sometimes it doesn't. It sort of shows the weaknesses in work too. Like some authors, they introduce the same character in the next novel, and they describe it completely—the character completely differently. And other people cut and paste in every single novel when they introduce the same character, which just drives me bonkers. (laughs) Um, But but I like uh, the fantasy novels when they break down what's. Um, what is not broken down in Hollywood, like uh, the general um, general movies and TVs, w- with the gender confines they use, and in pop culture, it just makes me too irritated. I just get spitting mad, and I can't watch anything. <laughs> I try to watch a, a what is the name of that uh, the. Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh my god, I just went out of my head. <laughs> um, yeah. But sometimes in spec fiction and fantasy, you have a lot of gender fluid people or people who are not binary in their species, and and, and breaking up the more usual tropes. So it's more relaxing. I can actually pay attention to the plot instead. But um, I studied- yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, but, but, but basically, um, I, my my movies are the same sort of thing. Watching the Orville, watching uh, Star Trek Discovery, and other right. than that, it's just travel shows, travel documentaries. Do you, what What makes you watch? Uh, tra- well, I guess you, I guess you've done a fair amount
0: of traveling in, in your in your time, you've done a little bit anyway of traveling.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's we've gone to a bit to Europe, basically i mean i would have liked to do the middle east and and the east and south america but who knows if borders will ever really be the same as they were or sense of safety will
0: yeah yeah, I can see that. I've been I've been reading. Uh, I just started a, a series that uh, w- recommended by a couple of people. I find myself being really um, in need of reading um, more sci-fi. Well, more speculative uh, fiction these days, especially surrounding things like the apocalypse and um, pa- pandemics and stuff like that. So, um, for instance, I just finished reading. Uh, it was it was not a. It was a, a speculative fiction about a pandemic that, and it was published just before the pandemic. Salima Nawaz's uh, songs for the end of the world, and it was quite good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And then I just started reading this uh, series. Uh, um, the first book is called The Fifth Season in the Broken Earth series. It's by N.K. Oh Jones. yeah, people you know people really I, wild great. about that one. I keep. Yeah, I, I start When I started, I thought, oh no, the because I find a lot of times with, with fantasy and sci-fi, sometimes the beginning is a little bit heavy and hard to read because they pack a lot of information early on, and it's because they're world building, and right. sometimes it takes me a while, and I don't know if I'm going to get into it, but, but this one is quite interesting, it's about a type of um, being called an oro And what they are capable of doing is basically um, and sometimes they have no control over it. They, They shake the earth when they're angry or when they're upset. They'll shake the earth and of course this whole earth is just um, ruined because of this and so society is trying to find ways to control them or to help them or and and there's stigma attached and so it's really it's really an interesting um series and this is just the first book so it's 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 pretty good so far the orville is a show that uh, charles and i really liked, so i'm looking forward to seeing that when the next uh, season comes out
1: <laughs> it should be good Do they but, have uh, a fan. have a fan version that has come out it's only like seven minutes long and it's very obviously green screened in each individual's home and put together so it's done with love but yes their costumes aren't quite there yet another among other things Do you ever have you ever considered um incorporating
0: any elements like that into your own uh, into poetry like um because you talked about a a novel about a werewolf but would you ever write any any uh poetry of that nature or do you feel like your poetry has to have that um it has to be um It's it's hard to say realistic because you can you can still have um, those elements in say a magic realism uh, book or whatever. But one thing that I always find surprising is how there's not all it doesn't feel like there's a lot of um, sort of um, more fantasy type poetry or or speculative uh, poetry, and I'm surprised by that. I write I write some occasionally so.
1: Well, there's something called Saiku of science fiction haiku, and there's actually a magazine for that. Um, I I don't take to it somehow. I mean, haiku is sort of supposed to be like direct experience. And then I when you're looking at moons on another planet, it just seems analogy-based. And you're not supposed to do analogy. So... But in regular, like, I don't know, I've, I've looked at poetry that's, in theory, fantasy, sci-fi mm. poetry, but it seems sort of more akin to cowboy poetry. Like, no,
0: there's
1: no. N- <laughs> so there's not a lot of, like, they, I don't know why people don't. I mean, it's a good question. I haven't seen it done well anywhere. <laughs> There's
0: um there's uh, um a magazine um, that I haven't checked out yet, but I keep meaning to called Augur, which I think oh, is yeah. supposed to have, I think they have a uh, speculative. Um, I think they have poetry uh, more of that of that nature. And there's also. Um, oh, I'm trying to, remember. I should not, there was a magazine called Goblin Fruit, but I think they, and it was oh, online, I think they're I think on, they yeah. and I did like some of that, like, the thing is, there, there's stuff that incorporates things to do with witches and different things, I mean, I do find that stuff a little bit, I, I am tempted, I have, I, there's a part of um my long manuscript, uh, St. Ursula's Commonplace Book, that has a kind of a magical element in it, but more of a more of a witch sort of uh, right, spells right. And, and, and things like that, and nature and stuff in there but um I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of I'm kind of fascinated by the supernatural and then of course I just mentioned Dennis Cooley's um seeing red well, the good thing about that is he, he kind of brought the vampire um, kind of down to earth in a way like it because uh, the vampire was addicted to light at like like some people are addicted to drugs and it was really okay. interesting to read that how he needed light you know even though it was sort of like put holes in him. you know and it was that's cool. interesting yeah, yeah that, was, that was quite good I highly recommend that so, so yeah. yeah, I don't know, it's oh, exactly. something to try. These days, I, I find that I need to use my imagination more and I need to um, kind of get
1: away from the real a little bit for the moment. So Right. Yeah, the only problem I have with novels in sci-fi or in, in fantasy is that the idea of, of the high fantasy where one character's action has Intergalactic consequences, and that really bothers me as a as a concept that, 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 that the hero, because you're already in a paranoid time, and is that a message you want to send out to the world that somebody is? Going, whatever they do is going to be deeply significant, or that everything has a greater implication. Like the, the conceit of like there shouldn't be a gun on the stage unless it's in Act One, unless it's used in Act Two. But that, Ooh, okay. but I like the irrelevant, and I like what doesn't fit, and that mm. that's sort of at war with the idea of a, of a, a narrative structure that's pushing forward, and with the idea that what are what is the cost for an action and I sort of don't want there to be a costs in the way that they that, that novels typically do and I don't want there to be um the the evil and good and then oh that evil guy flips to good but there's still the binary and nothing right. is gray enough and just but I don't want to I don't want a antihero either that's that is nasty and yet, is called the hero. Like that doesn't seem right either. So I'm not sure how to navigate. And and, and I guess that's that's part of what
0: if you if you do end up uh, writing a novel, you can maybe deal with those um, those issues. But they are difficult challenges, right? So that can sort of. Uh make it slow down uh, just trying to write as well when you're trying to still work out those those but hopefully when you're reading you'll you'll see some things that might trigger some kind of good uh inspiration for that because i think i i just think that a novel written by you would be really cool i'd like to read it so <laughs> we uh, get <laughs> fun thing to read. Um, so I, um, you also offer poetry workshops and editing, you run fafours, a micro press, and you've been very involved in Ottawa's literary community taking Rob McLean's workshops where we actually got to know each other and uh, we had our own workshop together in, as some of us called it, Ampersand and you and I used to write about literary events on our blogs back in the day and you've also been involved in Verse Fest. Can you talk about the importance of community for you and why you have chosen to be involved in it?
1: well, one side note: I actually restarted the blog a month ago.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, I've started getting back to my blog as well.
1: Yeah. um, Well, the the community I think of writers in general have uh, an acceptance of non of 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 non neurotypical people. So, in the general world, um, I'm othered a lot. I feel Mm. and. And people like I make a joke, and somebody goes, "Okay, I don't know if that was a joke or if they're crazy." And they back up or they freeze up. And I'm like, "That doesn't happen among poets. There's more of a play at factor. You're allowed to play in conversation, and you're you're not taken as a threat so readily. Like most outrageous behavior, sometimes in poetry is just like, "Oh, well, that's just him. You know, he's having trouble with this, or she's having she's having a having a hard time with that, or whatever." And, and So it's it's a much more free community and it's also a sort of community of of i think more broken people than the average human settlement so there there's a lot of lost sheep who need people but are too afraid to approach people so you can sort of hey you should know this person i think you two would understand each other and you can sort of match make and Get people integrated so that they're healthier overall. That's my that's my thing. It's my mother impulse coming out. That and feed all. <laughs> <laughs> feed all is a is a
0: good idea. I like and I, I yeah I, I think you you can find kindred. Some I found I've certainly found a lot of. Um, I call I call us kindred misfits, but it's not mm. that I really think we're misfits. I think that that we just don't fit in that um, in the way that uh, maybe the mainstream. As I say, yeah, I can I can see that too. Do you do you miss attending uh, readings and things?
1: Um, I miss aspects. I miss seeing people in particular. Um, yeah. I mean, readings are a problem in the sense of they happen at night. Like you, if they if they started a at eight a.m. reading series, I would go. Yeah, the same I, as me, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I'm in bed like eight thirty, nine o'clock these yeah. days, yeah. so if a reading series is starting at 9 i'm i'm i'm, no. I'm, not, I'm just a warm body if i'm lucky <laughs>
0: that's it yeah no i like to be i like to be cuddled down in bed by by, by very early but uh, yeah i i mean and things i have i don't really i don't really miss um a lot of aspects of readings but I, when every once in a while I'll, I'll attend a zoom reading not too often but every once in a while i'll, I'll attend when, when i see familiar faces then i miss the people like i miss being right. them. but i can i can pretty much like i'm used to you know when i went through my health crisis i had a period of convalescence so i'm kind of used to having to convalesce and stay in and you know um, you know not not be around so I, and I've never really been a big group gathering kind of person and uh, mm. um, with family stuff either I, I'm not really into that sort of uh, thing so that I'm pretty lucky that, that this is sort of the way um, I, that part of it I'm not missing the social too much and and there I do I do connect with people like the, the, these podcast episodes really help I find uh, chatting right. with people really enjoying that, especially getting a chance, even though it's, it's not in my apartment, which I like to have people over for that, but um, it's nice to be able to talk to people from all over like, um, yeah. like I said, the guy in England and then uh, Dennis Cooley in, in Manitoba, like a lot of those people I would never have been able to have on the show if I just did them in person, so learning how to do this is, is a good thing, and I don't think even when we're meeting in person, I think I'll still probably do a lot of the interviews um, still this way Maybe not all of them, but I'll do a lot of them as well. Yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, anything else to add? Any readings coming up for the
1: book? Um, I don't have any readings that I that I've booked yet. Oh well, I don't have any readings booked. Um, there's supposed to be a new reading series starting in Wakefield, an online online reading that's getting underway. So I don't know when it will kick off, but I've been invited to read it that whenever it it starts. Um, and my chapbook from. Uh, for the the next section of my dad memorial poems the the, the, uh, Water Loves Its Bridges it's supposed to be arriving momentarily so um, I don't know what I'll do for that I don't know if I'll try to do some online launch or something I also am still looking for somewhere to play my, like I, I in the fall um, I recorded something like half an hour of reading from this book that I'm looking for a venue to uh-huh. play it again because it's all it's it's all done it's all edited but I don't want to just launch it for my own YouTube I wanted to go with a series that's doing that sort of thing so if you know anyone who's doing a zoom launch where you can just play something that would be great is it just audio
0: or is it video
1: as well it's video
0: yeah okay well yeah right i'll bear that in mind there's there's uh, always uh, i mean i'm sure rob would be happy to host you on the his new uh, journal periodicities periodicities <laughs> You could always that's always a possibility as well
1: although I was there once so I don't know if I could go twice <laughs> who knows I, I, I don't know we,
0: we can ask Rob uh, there's also a, <laughs> and if people know this if you're a member of the League of Canadian poets they have um, I know I did a reading um, of, uh, th- of sessions from the dreamhouse Aria and I did launch it on the YouTube channel but they actually uh, actually gave me payment for that so uh, oh wow that's cool think about yeah you can apply it's like um, it's because people can't do tours and things like that through your own youtube or you can do it through a series or whatever but they have some funding so uh,
1: oh that's cool yeah i was wondering yeah i was wondering what was happening with that when you know their big membership perk is we will pay for a reading i'm like they well do
0: they do it through these through the, the virtual like, I find a lot of like also in, in with readings and also with hosting and also with um, with other things uh, um, there's there's actual payment uh, uh, for writers and stuff and musicians and stuff like that which is kind of nice because uh, it's yeah. pretty hard times for people so uh,
1: yeah we're not yeah. we're not in Ireland where they're giving this super burst of funding to all the artists and poets <laughs> I don't know. My fr- I have a friend who, um, a,
0: a, a poet and visual poet who lives in um, Ireland. She hasn't mentioned that to me, so I'll have to ask her if she knows oh. about it so she can yeah, get some fun. Yeah, they <laughs> truly we did it just recently like within the last week so well if it's new maybe I'll find maybe you can send me the info and I can pass it on to her because that would be helpful I think yeah Um, to to my friend in Ireland uh, you know well stay tuned I'll I'll let you know Uh, so I just wanted to say about um, Footlights I always I like to end on a little note of praise about the book Uh, so here's here's what I have to say about Footlights Footlights is a collection that combines ferocious care and delicatess wonder and keen observation with minimalism, brilliant figurative language, humor, and wordplay. In this book, there is strength, compassion, tenderness, and vulnerability. Pearl doesn't flinch away from illness, discomfort, anger, aging blood, or the struggles of the body. And that is something I also put up on Goodreads as well.
1: So. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. My yeah, pleasure. Oh, one thing, I, I did think of one other thing to mention, just uh, yeah. Um, I'm currently judging the bisexual book awards for the speculative fiction and science fiction, so that's that's why I'm also reading more lately than I have been. <laughs> great. Well, that's great, and and we'll we'll I'll we'll put up the link to
0: that too. I, I the um the bi- is it part of the bisexual arts festival? Is it is it
1: part of that? Same, no, I think not that I know of. Thing? Okay, well, it's a bisexual art association but i think it is part of that oh, and i
0: know part that goldman is, is part of that yes yeah, so, oh yeah um, that's it. So she's the one who put me in contact with it yeah great that's great i'm glad you you um you're doing that well, well i'll try to put up the link to that too and so people can can look at the uh, cuz there's a link too to um, previous award winners and you can see some of the great books that uh, and get your reading all set up for the for the winter as well yeah Excellent, okay, so uh, I think we'll, we'll close now. Thanks to Pro Properi for being on the show, to Charles for processing, to Jennifer Peterson for the theme song, and to all of you for listening and sharing the episode. Stay tuned for the next episodes with Francis Boyle, a special episode on the poetic elements of music in December featuring amazing musician Subraj Singh, and in the new year, Connor McDonald, Jennifer K. Dick, Razika Revolva, Dominique Parisien, and Jennifer Mulligan for starters. Stay tuned. Wow. Thank you for listening to the small machine talks. The small machine.